Welcome to the Grove Church Podcast and thegrovekc.com. Our mission as a church is to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus Christ. We hope you find today's teaching helpful and encouraging. Thanks for joining us. Well, if your email inbox is anything like mine, then uh, most of this last week has been spent with uh, people blowing you up with Merry Christmas wishes. Usually, if those are coming from what often fills my email inbox, then it's Merry Christmas, and here's that thing that you've been surely wanting to buy that you've not bought for all this time, and now, at the last minute, you're willing to buy it, so here's a coupon, right? It's been a lot of those kinds of emails. Um, But slowly but surely, also rolling into my email inbox have been a lot of emails about the year in review, the year that was, right? This is a common time. Maybe for some of you, the year in review has already begun in your work. You've already been through some kind of yearly review process, or, or maybe that's coming here in the next few weeks, depending on how uh, the calendar works where you are. Maybe it's even in the summer, again, depending on the fiscal calendar that you use. And um, for you kiddos that are in here with us today, you maybe don't spend a lot of time on email. I understand that. I know that's like an old person thing. Um, I get that. Um, but nonetheless, this is a time when we start to see year in review. Maybe you do, you follow music or movies. A lot of culture, we see year in review. What were the best movies of 2021? What was the best music of 2021? What were the shows that everybody had to watch? What, what YouTube videos did billions and billions of people all watch over the course of the last year? There's a lot of these kinds of things that start to happen around this time. And I actually think that this is motivated by a good instinct. There's a good instinct that drives a lot of this year in review stuff that we find. It's this instinct to remember. It's an instinct to to not only remember, but to celebrate and learn from what has been so that we can move forward. And that kind of remembering has been a prominent part of the experience of God's people for thousands of years. So this, this sort of instinct is not something that is simply, is only a Christian thing, but it is something that I think finds its, its start really in the people of God. It finds its source in God himself. Roughly a thousand years before Jesus was born, we've just, you know, yesterday, hopefully you guys had a Merry Christmas and we're celebrating not just the, the giving of gifts, but the greatest gift, Jesus, but roughly a thousand years before he was born, the book of 1 Samuel tells of how God's people had been living unfaithfully to him. They had had all kinds of trouble. Part of that trouble had involved the ark of God's covenant, the ark of God's presence actually being uh, gone, gotten away from them, and it was in the possession of the Philistines. But at some point it comes back to them, and, and though they had continued to live unfaithfully, they now have this renewed sense of their need for repentance, a renewed sense of their need for the Lord's help. And in the midst of this situation, God hears the people's cries for deliverance, and he saves them from the Philistine threat. And in response, we read what takes place here in 1 Samuel 7, 12. It says, afterward, right after God's deliverance, Samuel took a stone and he set it upright between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, explaining the Lord has helped us 
to this point. Now you have there on your listening guide uh, another translation of this verse, 1 Samuel 7.12, that gives just this extra little bit of, of clarification that this stone, this is Ebenezer that was set upright, means stone of help or the stone of the helper. Okay? And what we find here is that, that Samuel has built an altar in response to God's help, to God's deliverance. He builds, builds this altar, and building an altar acted as this powerful symbol and reminder of what God had commanded, of how the people had responded, and then how God had blessed or disciplined them as a result. That's the way it worked countless times in the lives of God's people. But specifically here, it's this Ebenezer, it's this reminder that God has helped us to this point. He's protected us. He's defended us. He's kept us. And so what we have to understand about these Ebenezer stones is that regardless of what it was coming as a result of, that these were meant to be a memory. They were meant to help preserve a memory. And that memory was meant to be instructive. It was meant to be instructive not only to that community in that time, but it was intended to be instructive for the generations to come. So here we are, the last Sunday of the year, and as we have for a number of years now, I want to take a cue from God's people in the past and look back and remember. Okay? And so the way we do that, generally, the way we've done that the last few years, is to look back through our sermon series, the, the series that have sort of guided us through in our, our learning as a people over the last year. And so what I want to do is walk back through those series, just remind you a little bit of what we've learned and what God has done in the time and in, in the, the space that has taken place uh, as we've been learning together over this last year. And so we started 2021. We were not meeting in here. We were right in the throes of renovation. This place was, uh, uh, it was a mess. And uh, <laughs> there was a lot going on, but we were meeting over at Pleasant Valley. And we started the year looking at one small step, a series that was just a, a few weeks, just took a few weeks, but we looked at one small step. And the idea here was that small is big in God's sight. We, we were looking and pressing into this idea that small is big in God's sight. And so what that means is that whatever you, the size of your steps, wherever God has you, whatever, however you feel about the size of your steps, whether those seem to be big steps that you're scared to take or they're big steps that you're so excited to take or they're small steps that you wonder if they really even make a difference, whatever the size of your steps, we are called to walk with God. Our, our days need to be spent walking with God, pursuing Him. We finished up one small step and we revisited what we had looked at about a year and a half before, and we, we looked at what it means to be a church with attitudes. We did what, what I called church with attitude refresh. At the heart of what it means for us to be God's people, we've summarized so that the teaching of the New Testament into what we call the heart attitudes. Not the hard attitudes, though they are hard to live out, but the heart attitudes, because they're at the heart of what it means for us to be God's people, to be in relationships with one another. And they're also heart attitudes because they have everything to do with the condition of our hearts before the Lord and how we interact with one another. And so we, we aspire to be a church with attitude, which means that our commitments to Christ's church and one another flow from his character. So when we talk about being a church with attitude, what we're saying is, how does God approach things? And in light of how he approaches things, how then are we 
to approach things. And so in the Grove, we commit to work at the hard attitudes. We don't commit to be perfect at them, but we commit to work at the hard attitudes. And the, the underlying assignments that go with the hard attitudes, the, the really the, the things that are driving why we would even care to talk about these things, which is that we want to seek the Lord and seek fellowship, right? That, that, it goes hand in hand with what we said in one small step, that really our lives need to be about walking with the Lord. So we seek the Lord, but we also seek fellowship. And fellowship is not just enjoying you know, all the things that everybody can bring in a potluck, though that's a really good thing. I like that. But fellowship has to do with really loving one another, with being involved in, with one, in one another's lives, for caring for one another, having obligations even to one another, bearing one another's burdens, helping each other through life's challenges and life's joys. So with that, I want to just encourage you, those of you that are members, you'll hear more from me this week, but uh, those of you that are members of the Grove, and we've got a number of folks that just this past fall have gone through that membership process and will be joining us as, as members. Um, January 9th, after our service on January 9th, just two weeks from today, we're going to have our first member, member rally of the year. We're going to look back at where we are financially, which is a, a good spot. We're going to look ahead in, in terms of financially, do some budget stuff. We've got to do that. So member rally is my name for budget meeting because we do more than just budget meeting, okay, but that is involved. We do have to have a budget meeting, um, but we'll talk about some other things. And, and then we'll also move into, in January, our time of membership renewal, because we think this is so important that we don't just say, well, you become a member, and then we never talk about it again, right? Let's just pretend it's all, all good and, and everything. No, what we say is, this is a commitment that's so important that we're going to renew it on a yearly basis. We're going to talk about it again. We're going to remind ourselves of how important it is for us to live these things out. We're going to even be aware of the fact that we probably haven't done it nearly as well as we would have liked. But we're going to continue to pursue the things that God has called us to when we commit to membership in the local church. So that's all coming here in this next month. We did that last February, looked at that for a couple weeks. Then we moved into a series that really spanned a lot of the KC Metroplex. It was called Have Courage, or we called it Have Courage. It was part of a larger effort called One KC. And we walked through the book of Mark, not, not every single passage of the book of Mark, but some select passages through the book of Mark, uh, and this idea of having courage. And, and what we found is that Jesus has come to call us to himself. And with him, we have every reason for courage. In other words, he can help us, not just, a re not just removing us from life's trials, but he actually wants to help us through life's trials. And so as God calls us to himself through Jesus, he's calling us to a life of courage, a life that he wants to put courage into us and help us to walk through the things that he has called us to. From there, this place started to look a lot better. We were getting close, and we were anticipating uh, the prospect of moving in to this space. And so we, we did a series called Open House. And Open House was about hospita hospitality in the Bible. And what we said is that what we've been given in this new space is a tangible expression of the hospitality of God. That, that us being welcomed into this as a more permanent home for the Grove Church was a tangible expression of God's hospitality of us, his welcoming of, of us. What we had to understand, though, is that that hospitality is most fully demonstrated, not in a building, but in Jesus himself. 
That, that the cross actually is a place of hospitality. It's a place where God welcomes us to himself. It's an unlikely place of hospitality, but that's the amazing thing that Jesus has done is turned this ancient method of execution into a place of welcome. And so we talked about the importance of us welcoming others as we ourselves have been welcomed in Christ. And then from there, we, we moved into May. And May 2nd was our first Sunday here in the building. We got to celebrate that indeed this six-month, seven-month project was over. Countless hours that had been spent, most of, many of you uh, helping pitch in to make all that happen. We had finally been able to move in. And so we, we did a series called Built to Last. And, and what that was is actually a mid-year example of what we're talking about today, the importance of, of looking back of remembering what God had done. And so we spent a number of weeks uh, looking at the fact that the renovation project wasn't simply about what we accomplished. It was about how we accomplished what we accomplished. And we explored eight project values that help us approach every project so that it accomplishes the goals for the present, but also resonates into eternity. That's what we want to do when we, we gather for any, any reason. As we do things together, we want those things to, to really have purpose in the present, to, to be important for the people that are gathered there and be helpful to folks. But we want those things to be helpful, not just in this temporary way, but in an eternal way. And so how do we do things in such a way that God is really honored, that he himself would be pleased to work alongside of us? Because we do believe that he is working in and through us and, and with us as we set out to do what he's called us to. And so we looked at those things and, and tried to understand and look back and celebrate and, and, and honor some people who had, had done some extra, uh, um, in extra ways, had demonstrated some of the things that we say are important. And like I said, it was a mid-year example of what we're talking about. And in fact, it was an opportunity for us to celebrate with our very own Ebenezer. And some of you realize we just now, about a month ago, got that thing put up. But, but here's a picture if you haven't yet noticed it, right? This is our, our Ebenezer G, our, our, our shadow box, celebrating the efforts of God's people. And remember, as a reminder to us, of, of all the work that it took. Right? So the ball bearings that fill that shadow box were the ball bearings representing your hours put in. The hours that you would, you would log as you would come and help as we were making our way through this project. And so it's meant to be a visual symbol to just remind ourselves of God's faithfulness, of his goodness, and the fact that when God calls us to important things, he calls us to those things. Not just one of us, not just a select few. He calls all of us to help pitch in. So we got to celebrate with Built to Last. And then we made our way into the rest of summer, and really a lot of the summer was, was a little bit of a, a mishmash, a lot of standalone stuff. We had some guest speakers. We got to hear from uh, Jerry Connor, who was our founding pastor. Um, and in the midst of that, we got to celebrate with our, our first back-to-school bash. And so we got to throw this big party for the community, had a great time, welcomed about 70 families, and gave away a ton of school supplies. I had this great opportunity to just say, hey, we've been welcomed, we've been blessed with this place, we want to be a blessing here in this community. Because moving into this space was meant to be an opportunity to root ourselves even more deeply into this community as a symbol, again, of our desire to be a help, to be a church wanting something not from the community but for the community. 
So we did that. And, and then another part of the summer was getting to uh, celebrate um, with the Casebolt family. So we heard from Matt Casebolt right towards the end of the summer on God's heart for the nations. And then got to celebrate and send Matt and Katie and Elias uh, to their assignment uh, in Western Asia. And we've been excited to see, and, and I'm sure more updates will be coming soon, but got excited to see them get to finally be into this place that God has called them to, to get to see the work of the Grove extended uh, into the nations in, in this tangible way. So it was exciting to get to celebrate with them. You see, if you don't remember, because you haven't seen them in a few months, right? That's what they look like. Though I'm guessing Elias is much bigger now, okay? Matt and Katie probably look pretty similar, but Elias probably looks pretty different. So we did that as we wrapped up the summer. And then we went into August as we're starting to ramp up and make our way into the fall, and we looked at this idea of games, families, play. We said that, you know, families play all kinds of relational games. This is, this is just what happens. But what do we do when our patterns of relating, our, our patterns of relating with one another send us back to the start or leave us feeling like, a loser. And so we, we looked at over the course of many weeks how to stop playing these harmful games, how, how to break these cycles of dysfunction, and start relating in the healthy way that God intends. And from there, then, we, we continue to look at relationships in kind of a different way in this series, Uncomfortable. And the, the tagline for that was the awkward and essential challenge of Christian community. And what we realize is that faith in Christ means trusting him, that though it is awkward and challenging, true Christian community is essential. We do have to work at this. We have to overcome the things that hold us back and want us to, to sort of isolate ourselves and, and maybe only give a, a certain viewpoint of ourselves and instead to really live honestly with one another in a way that really helps us build each other up. It takes work. And it's uncomfortable. And so we, we looked at the importance of developing, cultivating Christian community. That was September. And then for the last three months, maybe I haven't looked for sure, but I think maybe the longest series I've ever done, we did 12 weeks of called Minor Prophets, Major Mission. And what's interesting is that similar to where we started, what we were in some ways saying is that, you know, minor doesn't mean insignificant. That was a major thing for us to, to realize. Minor doesn't mean insignificant. And, and so over the course of 12 weeks, as we looked at these minor prophets, these 12 different books, we recognize that God is not far off. He's not uninterested in what happens to us and through us. Instead, he faithfully works to answer our deepest questions while also addressing our deepest needs. And what's so important to realize about that is that our deepest needs are not always the things we think they are. And so as he works to transform us, a lot of things happen that we wouldn't even expect or in times not even really want. But God is good and he can be trusted. And what we realized then as we looked at these prophets who were looking ahead, we know and realize now that the promises of God find their fulfillment in the coming of Jesus and his promised return. And that's why I did that as it led, our, as it led us into this Christmas season because Christmas is about God's promises fulfilled. The, the promise fulfilled that came with his first arrival and the promises that will be fully fulfilled in his second arrival. And so what we then learn as we think through this whole thing, we realize that as God's people today, 
our greatest Ebenezer, our greatest stone of help, is Jesus himself. In fact, I want you to hear this as we, we look at, okay, what does this mean for us then today? How do we, as we've looked back, then look forward? I want you to hear what should be a familiar passage. But, you know, I was thinking about this. A lot of times we go to familiar passages because maybe they're just because they're comfortable. But a lot of times we go to familiar passages because they, in some way, express something that's found all through the Scriptures, but say it in a way that is really helpful and easy maybe than some other places for us to understand. And that doesn't negate the importance of those other places. It just means that this shines light on those other places for us to understand all that God has said to us. And so Ephesians chapter 2, the first part of the chapter, explains our condition outside of Christ. Then it explains what happens when we are brought into the family of God. And it it ends this way, chapter 8, I mean chapter 2, verse 8, with this summary, you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's God's gift. Not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So that's this condition. We, we've been, if you've trusted Christ, and what you're told is you once were apart, and now you've been brought into the family of God, and it's for a purpose, to live out God's workmanship, to live out the things that he has prepared in advance for you. But it goes on then, and it tells us this, in light of what has just taken place, so then, in verse 11, so then remember, remember, that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. So at that one time, you were labeled, you were just part of this label, and there were these two different groups. And at that time, right, that same time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, right, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Again, to sum up, we're told you've been given this gift of salvation. So then remember. Remember that at one time, at this particular time, you were without Christ, which means two things. You were without hope and you were without God. And why, you, why the need to say, without Christ, you're without God? Because it's important for us to recognize that, that that's the way this works. You don't get God without Jesus. He is the way, the truth, the life. It's by him that we come to our creator. And so we are at one time without Christ, without hope, set apart. Not set apart for God, but set apart from God. But now what has happened? We've been brought near. 
In Christ, we are brought near. And what that means is that the law has no power. You're no longer, you and I are no longer slaves to having to, to live up to the standard, a standard that we in our flesh could never accomplish, but a standard which Jesus himself has accomplished on our behalf. And the result of that is that we have peace with God and one another. If we've trusted Christ, this is the hope that we have. The law no longer drives things for us, and instead we have been brought near. We have peace with God and one another. And so what does that kind of remembering do? What, what, what is it meant to do if we remember these things? What's so interesting is if you look through quickly the rest of the book of Ephesians, you'll find a certain word pop up again and again and again. Ephesians 4.1, we're told this, walk worthy of the calling you've received. Ephesians 4.17, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. Ephesians 5.2, walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us. Ephesians 5.8, walk as children of light. Ephesians 5.15, pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise. Did you catch the common denominator there? We remember what Jesus has done so that we can walk forward. Walk forward in a way that is pleasing to God, that is not futile, that, is, that, is, uh, that imitates the love that Christ himself has shown us, a way that, is, that brings light, that brings a, a way of understanding life, a way that is wise, a, a way that makes sense of how God has created the world and what it means to follow him in his ways. See, as part of God's people, regularly remembering and celebrating, this is just a, a common thing. And so as we, we looked here into God's instructions for people on, the, on this side of Jesus, I want us, as we wrap up, to, to go back to a time prior to Jesus. And what would happen is God's people, they, they, again, they had these regular patterns of celebrating and remembering. And as they would do that, specifically the festivals that would bring them into Jerusalem. And if they already lived in Jerusalem, the, the same was true of them. But as they would prepare for these festivals, they would sing what was known as the Songs of Ascent. These were songs sung as they walked, as they made their, their way into Jerusalem or, or, again, around Jerusalem in preparing for these festivals. And among them, the second of the 15 Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 121 it starts like this, the first two verses. I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now real quickly, as you look at that, think about that. Why are we looking at the mountains? Well, the mountains could have been a source of stress. They could have been a place, a hiding place for threats. So as you're making this journey into Jerusalem, you look around. I mean, you, you may, it's, it's an ascent into Jerusalem. And around, you see these, these mountains, these hills, and crags, and all these things. This could have been a place where, where threats were hiding. And so it could be a source of stress. But the mountains could also have been a source of idolatry. 
a dwelling place for temptation to trust lesser things for provision and protection. There was a common belief that, that these lesser gods, they lived on the mountains. They needed the mountains to, to reside among the people, have any kind of interplay in, in what was going on on earth. And so it was a reminder, wait, as I look around to these lesser things, am I going to trust them or am I going to trust the Lord? And so this trip was a time for reflection. The trip into these celebrations was a time to remember and ask, where have we been? And where are we going? And where will our help come from? And those are questions that whether you are a a Middle Eastern Jewish celebrator of any number of seasons and celebrations, or you're a 20th century Christian, these are the kinds of questions that we need to reflect on. Where have we been? Where are we going? Where will all help come from? And so what I want to encourage you today, just as, again, as we draw this to a close, I want to encourage you to take time to reflect. Now, I gave you last, last week, I think it was last week, lots happened in one week, but I think that was last week. Is this, this just something that I didn't create that has just been a help to me? It's just a resource that I came across a number of years ago, this annual reflection and plan exercise. Okay, you've got that little QR code, so you can go access that and find a PDF download there. Okay, technology's great, but, but don't get distracted by the QR code. Just, just know that there's, there's this resource for you. But essentially asking these kinds of questions to look back so that we can look forward. And so I just want you to consider as, and ask yourself, and I'm just realizing I probably didn't update this, so you guys don't go to whatever questions are up on this screen, because I don't think it's right. But let me ask you these questions. What would make you or your family's year in review? If you were thinking about your own year in review, what would be the highlights and what would be the lowlights? And these are really the kinds of questions that you'll find in that, that document and that reflection. As you think about the things that would make the highlights and the lowlights, as you think about what God has been doing, what have you learned that will be important for you to remember? What have you learned? What what kinds of things have come out of these experiences? You know, some things you just sort of move through, and maybe someday you'll you'll look back and you'll realize there was something going on there. But, But are there things that right now you know, you know what, I need to hold on to that. I need to make sure I don't I don't forget what God did there, the things that I've been learning through that. And then finally, how do you anticipate needing the Lord's help in the coming year? We don't know a lot of what's going to happen in 2022. We don't know a lot about what will happen. But, but you do have some idea of, of some of what may be coming. And so as you think about that, and as you think about just what, whatever parts of the coming year that you, you do know, How do you anticipate needing the Lord's help? And if you anticipate needing the Lord's help, then what will you do to seek his help in the coming year? And will you, I mean, really, even before that, will you seek the Lord's help in the coming year? Will you look at the things that could be scary or could be tempting and say, you know what, instead of pursuing lesser things, my help will come from the maker of heaven and earth, 
Friends, we've seen Jesus has helped us up to this point. And he can be trusted to be our help in the new year. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for the ways in which you have helped us. We've gotten to experience some really great things. And yet, it's also been a year of lowlights for us collectively and individually. But Lord, I, I pray that as we think about what has been, as we look back, that you would help us to move forward in faith. To consider that you do want to be our help. That in Christ, on the cross, you have helped us in a way unlike any other, and in a way greater than any other thing we could ever possibly need. God, help us to see our, our challenges and see our opportunities in light of the cross and in light of the resurrection, in light of the fact that death does not have the final say. God, we ask for your help in 2022. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at thegrovekc.com for more ways to connect with us. And join us again next week for another podcast from The Grove Church. Have a great day. Thank you.